to throw, looking, deep pattern, downfield, touchdown Miami! What a throw, Devontae Parker! Holy smokes, what a drive! What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins Podcast Network, covering your team, your Miami Dolphins. How the hell is it going, everybody? I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, each and every day, I am here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, the Jets, the Pats, and the Bills all come up short in their openers, and that means, that's right, your Miami Dolphins are all alone in first place in the AFC East. We're going to get to my takeaways from the game, the individual efforts that stood out to me, and if I have time at the end, we'll play a segment or two from the post-game show with me, Seth, and OJ McDuffie. Did I miss anything else? I don't think we did. Win! Did you think we weren't going to play it? If you did... That's a joke. That's a joke. Ha, ha, ha. From the Baptist Health Studios inside the Baptist Health Training Complex, this is a Victory Monday edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. What more do you want? A divisional road win to start the season. Every game is important, but when you can get one on the road in the division, that just, the added elements in terms of tiebreakers, conference records, division records, head-to-head. How many folks out there had the New England Patriots or have the New England Patriots in the playoffs as far as their preseason predictions? Well, going on the road and taking out a team like that, that's a big, big victory and a great way to start the season, especially when Buffalo lost to the Steelers and the Jets lost to the Panthers. So it's 1-0 for Miami in the AFC East. Everybody else 0-1 looking up at your Miami Dolphins. Some of the things I was impressed by with Dolphins in this game before we get to the five takeaways was their ability to overcome some of the more challenging moments that this game presented. If you're like me watching this game, I'm certain you had some white knuckle moments where maybe you never thought the game was seriously in jeopardy or in doubt or the Dolphins would have a chance to lose the game. That's kind of the way I felt about it because of the nature of even though the Patriots held the football for so long and converted so many third downs. The lack of explosive plays and Miami in turn's ability to hit those explosive plays always made me feel like Miami was more of a threat to win the game than the Patriots were, especially when you take into account the red zone success, which, you know, as Coach Flores has mentioned this in the past, like I go back to the Denver game last year and reporters were asking questions to Coach Flo about what strengths the Broncos have. And he was like, well, I think a lot of folks are overlooking this team because they are good in certain areas. And one of those areas was, in fact, the red zone. And Miami executed both offensively and defensively beautifully in the red zone today. So in the most critical elements of the game, who rose to the occasion, who made the plays, who made the plays to set up the plays that ultimately decided the game. Your Miami Dolphins did more times than not in this contest, but they had to do it by overcoming some difficult moments. And the first one I point to is a penalty that was accurately called. Like the letter of the law is that if you hit a quarterback low, you're going to get flagged for it. And that's what happened on the Elandon Roberts third and short sack that eventually wound up turning into a touchdown where it would have been a field goal attempt otherwise. So technically a four point swing, but on that play, the Dolphins 
came back from that. They didn't sulk on that. They didn't look at the officials and say, well, that moment was taken from us. And it wasn't because that was the right call, even though Roberts with the, the lean, the direction, the fact that the fullback kind of blocked him into that position where he was going low. The Dolphins did not let that defeat them. And I think that is a defining characteristic trait of the Miami Dolphins under head coach Brian Flores. And something to be very proud of, I think, is their resilience in tough moments like that. How about the fact that they didn't melt down or, or give up in terms of the drives that were extended over and over and over again? The Patriots had three drives that were 14 or more plays, and only two, only one of those, rather, resulted in a touchdown. The other two were field goals. So Miami did a fantastic job of staying true to the plan. And they might have bent a little bit, but they never really broke in those big moments. And if you go back to the penalty, if that doesn't get called that way, then it turns into three field goal drives, and the Patriots only wind up with nine points in the game against the stout Miami defense. But also, offensively, when the Patriots did have their moments with their own offense, the Dolphins' offense rose to the occasion and answered right back. Right after New England goes down and takes that 10-7 to lead in the second quarter, Miami responds and gets points and then comes back on the other end of the second half and gets points on that drive to take a lead that they would never relinquish. So Miami's ability to react and respond to tough moments that the Patriots made plays or maybe the elements went against them, that to me was encouraging and a sign of this team's mental toughness and an ode to the type of people that Brian Flores and Chris Greer on the staff bring into this facility, into this building. Guys that are going to be tough, they're going to rise to the occasion and never let the moment get too big for them. I thought that was among the most encouraging things we saw today out there against the Patriots, especially for a team. And again, as Coach Flores has mentioned in the past, like this is the team, right? This is the result of all those draft picks and all that free agent capital or, or cap space capital you had heading into 2020 and 2021 to remake this roster under the vision of Chris Greer and Brian Flores. And this is the team and it's a very young team and they have shown that mental fortitude in big moments and especially out there today in the 2021 opener to overcome those things that really went against them in a few ways. So to me, this was a really impressive moment for those young guys to rise to the occasion and get a big win in a game that really this team, you know, over the last 20 or so years it's a game that this team has found ways to lose that particular game. That particular outcome tends to go in the opposition's favor with regards to the Miami Dolphins. And I just I just think it's different when you can overcome all the things that went against you and all the challenges and, and not getting too down yourself in that building, in that tough place to play with a raucous crowd back for the first time since 2019. I just I can't be more impressed by their ability to overcome all the the things that were just working against them in that game. I also liked the ability to start the game and open up the third quarter with touchdown drives. I mean, that's that's where the coaches really tend to make their hay in terms of, you know, we're going to do this to start and see how they adjust. And for their ability to go out there and put together a plan or a script, both in the first half and coming out of the break in the second half that put not just points on the board, but touchdowns on the board, how big of a, a deal was that? And really the difference in the game, those two possessions and either one of those could be the difference in the game in a 17 to 16 Miami Dolphins victory. And then Brian Flores' message after the game also liked this as well, talking about how it's good to get a win, but there are corrections to be made. And this goes back to the part of the team, the young team that loves to be here and, and football is important to them how those guys will be excited to make the corrections they have to make and get ready for next week against the Buffalo Bills. But that's down the road. We are still within the 24-hour window to really enjoy this victory, enjoy your first season opening victory 
since the 2018 season. It's good to be 1-0. It's good to be unbeaten. It's good to be at the top of the division. Let's go ahead and kick off our five takeaways from the game. Takeaway number one, there goes that man again. First and 10 Patriots from the Dolphins, 11. Miami 17, Patriots 16 with 335 left to play. Play action, fake, no, they give it to David Harris, and he is hit, Balls the ball out. pops Balls out. out. Who's got it? Orlando Roberts hit him. Dolphins say they do, but let's see who, well, somebody's the bottom pile with a blue jersey on, gentlemen. Who's got it? Dolphins, yeah, Dolphins, Dolphins got, got it. Why, Ben, but don't break. Wow. Wow is right. The Dolphins come up with a huge takeaway that eventually puts them in the winner's circle. Xavier Howard forces the fumble, recovers the fumble, big-time players in big-time games. And X had a great quote that Seth Levitt told us about on the post-game show saying that they try to lull me to sleep, I try to find the football. And boy, does he. He sure finds the football. Ten picks last year. You might recall in the Week 15 game last year against the Patriots on one of the few catches he gave up, he forced a fumble on Jacoby Myers that gave possession back to the Miami Dolphins. He also had a chance at a fumble recovery for a touchdown in that game that, of course, as we know, did not go. Uh, it came off the board because somebody was out of bounds when the ball touched them. But in this game, Xavier Howard, once again, you never hear from him because they just didn't throw the football in his direction. And you have to imagine that was one of the plans for the Patriots. Like, hey, 25 is pretty good. Let's go ahead and stay away from that guy. And he found a way to make a big play in the biggest moment of the game as it looks like the Patriots are going to at least, at the very least, put three on the board and force the Dolphins offense to have to execute a two-minute drive against that defense in that building with that crowd noise. But none of that had to happen because of Xavier Howard punching the ball out and the Dolphins, you heard there, Landon Roberts on the scene as well, a couple other Miami Dolphins on the scene for that big play. But Xavier Howard... And again, credit here to you know Chris Greer and his front office and Brian Flores and his coaching staff for finding a way to get Xavier Howard back in here and, and make sure that he was happy and ready to be on the field week one to make a big play that changed the game. So Xavier Howard finding a way to make a big play despite the fact that he just was not that involved with how the Patriots attacked this defense all game. But when it came down to it, the big-time player made the big-time play in the big-time game. Takeaway number two, and I wrote this early on, but I think it still is worth talking about because... We talked about this throughout the course of the offseason with some of the additions Miami made, and we saw Jalen Phillips and Javon Holland get some action out there today on this Miami Dolphins defense, but the ability to be multiple and get different looks and create pressure in different ways, like, yeah, Mac Jones didn't take a lot of sacks today, but he was under pressure a lot, and he made some good throws to space against receivers kind of running free in that short I was going to say short to intermediate, but it was largely short throws. I mean, average depth of target was very thin for Mac Jones. At one point deep into the first half, it was barely over two yards. I'll have to go back and check on that on the Tuesday podcast, on the omissions podcast. But they were throwing a lot of stuff short and really just taking nickel and dime options and going up and down the field that way. And then Miami Dolphins would clamp on that offense in the crucial moments on the third downs in the red zone and get off the field that way. But philosophy-wise and performance-wise, especially early on, their ability to create pressure and put Jones under some of that duress in multiple ways. And the one I'm looking at here is the initial play where Mac Jones threw the football backwards. Like he got hit and turned and tried to throw it to a running back next to him. But because he got hit, the ball went backwards and was a huge fumble and a huge loss that pretty much, no, not pretty much, it did end that first drive for the Miami Dolphins to get that victory uh, in that game. A big reason for that was that first drive and pushing them out of field goal range. 
and getting pressure with whether you're in a four-man or four-down look, sending just four guys, sometimes sending three men on pressure, mixing it up with blitz and stunts and twist and having backers come up into the A-gaps and rush that way, rushing off the edge and sending blitzes that way, cat blitzes. I mean, the, the big play that caused the backwards pass from Mac Jones was a cat blitz. Cat means cornerback, where Byron Jones comes in, and I thought maybe he would get the credit for the sack on that because he was the last one to really hit Jones before he went down, but Christian Wilkins was the closest one in the neighborhood on a you know a backwards pass fumble that goes towards the player who's closest on that. So Wilkins winds up getting the, the sack on that play, but you saw Byron Jones come clean on that. We saw Nick Needham come on some blitzes. We saw some defensive backs come, some linebackers come, some guys drop out and play that way too. So their ability to really get multiple that way, I think speaks well for the defense long-term and the ability to attack teams down the stretch on your schedule. I also liked on that particular play, that was looking like one of those bootlegs. And I, I go back a lot to the Jared Goff game last year against the Rams, where he would try to get some boot action and because of the boot action of the outside stretch zone coming back against the other side of the formation you then have the quarterback comfortable because the play action and the wide zone fake has created false steps for the defense or giving them eye candy that gives him a clean pocket but when you just blitz off that weak side edge that's not there anymore it speeds everything up the quarterback and the offense wants to do and I thought they did a good job on that on that particular play and just in general to create different looks, to get enough defensive wins to ultimately win the football game. Takeaway number three. 10, early third quarter. Play action fake rolling. It's Waddle, Waddle. Oh, he got in. in. Touchdown. There it is. Daniel Waddle, that great speed, just got outside and got in. Nice catch and knew exactly where that goal line was. He dove for the flag and got it, Joe. I mean, that's his first NFL Miami Dolphin touchdown. And that play, I mean, first of all, I love when I can tell you guys things that I've seen firsthand here at practice and training camp that then translate into the game, and you can say, oh, yeah, yeah, Travis told us about that. Well, that touchdown catch, I thought, was indicative of Jalen Waddell's competitive toughness and running through an arm tackle or running through contact that are right at the goal line and the pylon to find pay dirt, to find the end zone. And you heard his reaction there. His voice was picked up pretty well on that radio call there from Jimmy, uh, Jimmy Cephalo and Jason Taylor and as well as Joe Rose. And that was a fantastic call as well as a play by Jalen Waddle on that play. But just how tough he is and how much grit there is to his game for a guy that, you know, incorrectly gets billed as a 180 pound receiver I mean he is that but a guy that can't make physical tough plays because of that which is such a, a misnomer or a misconception with how certain guys play the game Waddle is as tough as they come and making those tough physical catches and you also had a chance to see him really in his element as far as how they wanted to attack this defense and what his speed and the way he moves and the ability to get to him quick on the screen game, the ability to go deep over the top, which we also saw, the crossing routes, the very first play of the game. I mean, the very first play of the game, the Dolphins start. How are you feeling about this play when you saw it out the gate? Miles Gaskin, the running back, Tua, out of his shotgun. Quick pass, pulls it back up, and he's got Waddle. Waddle on the run, breaking tackles along the way for 35, and finally dumped at the 36-yard line by Devin McCourty. Welcome to the National Football League, kid, right there. Jalen Waddle. 16 yards right out of the chute. Tua to Waddle. 
big focal point of the offense. And this one winds up with four catches, 61 yards, and the game-winning touchdown. How about that for your first game, number six pick in the draft? A game-winning touchdown. He did have the one drop. Me and Seth and OJ had a great segment on the post-game show talking about this. And OJ said the ball was a little bit outside of his frame, so he's not going to frame it as a drop. And Seth was on the other side where he said, yeah, that ball probably should be caught. And OJ eventually came around and said, I think he probably should have caught it, but let's not say it, it was an out-and-out drop because it was a tough ball to catch. So that's a ball I think you like to get back for both Tua as well as Waddle. But all things told, you know, Jalen Waddle, first NFL game, four catches, 61 yards, and that game-winning touchdown. I just like how you guys got a chance to see what I've been seeing here in practice and really see how this kid gets it done over and over again and makes so many plays. Let's play one more sound clip for you here on Waddle, the play that started that big drive for the Miami Dolphins at the end of the first half. Miles Gaskin, the running back, to a shotgun, trips to the left, back to throw, looking left, throw the downfield, and it's caught by Waddle. Waddle at the pick of 40-yard line. Jalen Waddle went up like he was 6'3 to catch that football running down the side, and he's got so much speed. If you're covering him, you don't have time to be looking back for the ball. Oh, what a catch. I mean, how many times we talk about those down-the-middle shots where he made a tough catch away from his frame, diving, laying out in traffic, coming back for this football in this instance on a nice ball from Tua to kind of take advantage of the fact that defensive back was there in good shape but underneath and didn't have a chance to really get his head around Good play there by Tua to Waddle for 36 yards to jumpstart a drive that wound up in points for Miami at the end of the first half. Takeaway number four, and it's the offensive mixing and sequencing and hurry up and just the general call and plan here for the Miami Dolphins offense, opening up the game with an 80-yard touchdown to start. I mean, what's better than that? You can't top you know that type of a drive, that type of production to start a game off, but I just thought there was a good mix of personnel. We saw plenty of receivers in the game, tight ends in the game, different running backs in the game. They went some tempo and kept the Patriots, you know, you get into a certain look, you like that look, go tempo, keep them on the field. And they only had one third down on that opening march where Tua was four for four with 49 yards and the touchdown rush to cap off that drive. I just thought there was plenty of mix and versatility offensively, just as there was defensively. And I cannot wait to see where they go and really sequence off of those looks because that's what football is, a catalog of plays each and every year where you can then build off of that, grow off that, and give teams different looks based upon what you've already shown on tape. And I thought Miami did a good job of putting enough on tape this week to say to make teams really say, hey, we have to be careful for this and, and really check off A, B, and C, and D on this particular look. And then they could do this look and, and build another E, F, G, H. I don't know the alphabet, but you get what I'm saying. Plenty of different options off each play. I thought Miami showed well in that area. And my favorite sequence, and this is really the main part of the takeaway, that opening drive for sure, but the sequence to close out the game-winning touchdown to Waddle. The Dolphins push the ball down the field and gain a bunch of yards and, and really are chewing up the chewing up yardage and, and the clock as well. But the sequence on the doorstep of the red zone or once they got into the red zone to go wildcat to Savon Ahmed, a nice little tendency breaker based upon what you've seen. I mean, there's lots of quick game. There's lots of uh, shotgun and RPO and zone read and that kind of stuff to then put them a formation in the game where most likely going to be a run. We better load up and get some some meat in the box and really close down and, and fill gaps and shoot shoot those gaps and play the run. But they pick up eight yards from Savan Ahmed on the first Wildcat play. Then you go back to Wildcat 
and it's Malcolm Brown this time, and it's three yards and a first down inside the five-yard line down to the three, and I'm watching the game with, with Juice and Seth, and I tell them, you know, this is a perfect time to run play action. This is, you ran the ball, you've had success with it, they're kind of on their heels getting back up to the red zone, or to the end zone, I should say, to the goal line. A great time to fake a run, get those bodies coming up, and then you flick it out over in the flat to Jalen Waddle for a touchdown. Great sequence of play call there to find the end zone to get that touchdown. And that was the second touchdown, the final touchdown of the game for Miami. But our fifth takeaway here on the Sunday night recap edition of the Drive Time Podcast is going to be the conclusion of the first drive for your Miami Dolphins. And the takeaway goes to Tua Tungavailoa. Gaskin remains the running back. Takes the handoff. No! Tua keeps a touchdown Miami! Boy, that read option. He just held on to it. A great fake. Goes the outside. He's wide open. He walks in for a touchdown. And the takeaway here for me, I just put Tua time because, again, you know, the numbers might not have looked great, but I thought it was a winning performance from Tua Tungavailoa, and I continue to point back to this like we did last season. The moments where you got to have it for Tua is when he seems to really, really rise to the occasion. Now, the opening drive, yeah, that was great in theory because it kind of let at least the fans relax a little bit, certainly not the players and the team, but just to kind of take the pressure off and give the defense a chance to do what they do and play that style of game where you're not so concerned about you know these lengthy drives. You can continue to play, don't let the ball over your head type of football, and hold a team to just three scoring drives, two of those being field goals, 16 points. Like in today's NFL, if you hold a team to 16 points, you're probably going to win most of your games, if not all of them. So that's a good game plan, and it was able to be executed because Miami's opening script on offense took them down the field for a touchdown and seven points on the board and an early deficit for that Patriots offense. Then the Patriots take their lead after 10 straight points after the initial touchdown, and Tua drives the offense down the field, and dang near gets another touchdown drive out of it. They wind up kicking a field goal on that drive, but they were close to getting six on that drive with a nice pass to Albert Wilson in the end zone, barely broken up on a great play by the defensive back, but driving that thing deep into Patriots territory after a big uh, Patriots offensive touchdown to take the lead. You love to see that. And then to do the two for the double dip, you, you give the ball to the Patriots to start the game so you can get it to start the second half to go down and get a field goal to end the half and then come back with a touchdown out of the break, 10 straight points before Mac Jones really even sees the ball. Now he got it late. I believe Maybe he didn't get it late at the end of the first half, but 10 straight points before they get the ball back to the offense to regain the lead. I thought that was incredible and, and just shows you what two was all about. And then finally, that final drive, it was one pass after one run that was called back on a hold, but the pass to Devontae Parker on that quick slant for a big gainer to move the chains or, or to, not, not to move the chains, but to get Miami out of a big hole offensively out of a first and 14 to gain like 13 yards on that play was really perfect because then you can kind of kill the clock and get that first down on your second down run. And then the Patriots have to use all the timeouts, which they did. And Miami still found a way to move the chains and push the, push the ball uh, to go into victory formation there at the very end of the game. So Tua's ability to really rise to the moment I thought was special. I thought he threw with zip. There were some good slants, like on one particular Devontae Parker slant, where Parker had not yet cleared the defender uh, working inside the numbers. You know, he starts outside and runs an in-cut route in behind the defensive back, and he had not yet cleared this defender. So he's on the left 
and Tua wants to throw the ball to the right of the defender, but he lets the thing fly before he clears the defender, and then he comes across, ball meets him there on time, good zip, good pace. He pushed the ball down the field. I mean, 27 passes for 202 yards, I believe, was the final tally, so that's up around seven and a half yards per attempt, which is a good number for a quarterback this in this day and age. You know, throwing the ball inside, outside. I thought there was some talk about how, you know, teams might make Tua throw the ball to the outside because he has had so so much success throwing the ball inside the numbers. Well, the ball was going all over the field today. It was going vertical. It was going quick. And, you know, we mentioned a couple of drops. I don't want to call them drops. They were just good plays by the defense. And then the Waddle play we talked about already. But the play before that to Devontae Parker down the middle, that was a great throw in tight coverage. And the ball hits Parker's hands first, but then the Patriots defensive back is there to put his hands on it. I guess could have been caught. I don't I don't know. It's a tough play. I'm not going to get on anybody for, you know, not making a very difficult play. But I thought the takeaway from that play was just how good the throw was from Tua to put it in that position with that coverage, with that zip on his guy. And then to waddle after that. Like at those two throws from Tua, he was dealing. He was really feeling it. And I thought that kind of made the offense take a step back a little bit and just kind of go into a bit of a slump before they got it back together and put those two drives together. So all in all, I thought a good performance from Tua. Again, the numbers don't look great. Had a rushing touchdown, a passing touchdown. Could have had probably two passing touchdowns if he wanted to just flip that thing in there. To I think it was Durham Smythe, but he took the run because it was wide open, so why wouldn't you? But numbers not like fantastic, obviously. Finishes the game 16 for 27, 202 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. And the pick was, that was not a great decision. I mean, he, he said after the game he wanted to try to throw that football away. Just didn't get it out there wide enough, and he got absolutely blasted on that play. And just that's going to be the, the, the play that you look at that you really wish you had back. But all in all, I thought he mitigated pressure pretty well, kind of danced around back there. Just didn't always have guys open based upon what I saw. We'll see more for the Tuesday podcast on the omissions and the All-22. But I thought that what he had to work with, he did a good job of working with what he had to work with. So some of the big plays in this game, we talked about Tua to start the game to Jalen Waddle on that 16-yard rip. I mean, how great is that? Just kind of a check with me, stand up, throw that thing out there, get a nice chunk gain to start a drive. How about the 18-yard quick rip to Savon Ahmed, who I think looks fantastic with the speed and the explosiveness. The Miles Gaskin hurdle before that first touchdown, what a run that was. And by the way, on Miami's two uh, touchdown drives, Miles Gaskin had nine touches for 59 yards on those two drives. So kind of a catalyst in both the running game and the passing game. The Tua touchdown run, obviously a big play. Tua to Waddle for 36. How about Tua to Parker to get that first drive of the second half jump started where it's third and long. The Dolphins look like it might be kind of another one of these three and outs or quick drives that gets them off the field. But Tua dials up Devontae Parker on a ball that they just did not really connect on a whole lot last year. I mean, they they made connections on short intermediate throws, but the long ball from Tua to Parker just wasn't really there. The 50-50 ball wasn't always there, but today it certainly Malcolm is. Malcolm Brown, the running back, on third down and eight for the Dolphins from their own 27-yard line, tied at 10, beginning of the third quarter. Back to throw is Tua. Throws it deep down the field to Parker. Makes oh, the what catch. a catch. Did he get his feet in bounds? Yes. They're saying yes at the 43-yard line oh, of New England. We'll look at this one, though. Dolphins quickly running yeah, to the hurry up ball. ball they don't want to have to look at this one on, yeah. on tape. New England's up there waiting to see if they can see it. Meanwhile, Miami wants to hurry I up. I think he's in, Joe. Snap it. So this is a quarterback who has completed 
deep balls traditionally throughout his football career on timing and precision and guys running underneath it and accelerating through the catch to continue on. But to be able to throw this ball to Parker, to throw the ball he threw to Waddle where he came back and got it, that's a nice little uh, you know throwing into coverage, throwing guys open type of nod there for Tonga Vailoa. And what a hell of a catch for Devontae Parker for 30 yards to go up and get that thing. That's what Devontae does. Four catches, 81 yards for Devontae Parker in this game. A couple of big plays for Emmanuel Ogba. A big third down pass breakup. Got the hands up, swats that thing down, gets the Dolphins defense off the field. And then I thought the biggest play for Ogba was one that didn't even count. It was a holding call on the offense because he had a devastating cross-chop move. His the go-to cross-chop move, man. He gets those that shoulder kind of dipped inside and works both those hands across and fights off the hand placement of the offensive line. And he cornered and had Mac Jones dead to rights. And Mac Jones didn't even see him. He was looking up the field. It was going to be a kill shot. Good chance to maybe get the ball out on that play, but the right tackle reaches around and grabs Ogba and prevents him just before Jones throws the ball from getting to the quarterback, but it's a holding call, pushing back 10 yards, wipes out that drive. How about the Dolphins' defensive backs? And a nod of the cap here to Gerald Alexander and Charles Burks for the work they do to find the friggin' football, man. 23 straight games now with a takeaway for your Miami Dolphins. That goes back to last season, actually into 2019, the longest streak in the National Football League. And all three today were forced fumbles. Only two of them got taken away by the Miami Dolphins, but all three possible takeaways, forced fumbles by Eric Rowe, Javon Holland, and Xavier Howard in that defensive secondary. Tip of the cap to GA and Coach Burks for getting those guys to really have that focus and emphasis on the football the last couple of years. And then, of course, Tua on that final drive, the quarterback keeper off the edge where he had the kind of awkward slide. That was a big-time play in a big moment where the Dolphins are backed up. If you go three and out right there, I mean, you're putting the ball basically at midfield with a good punt and no return. It's going to be tough to hold that Patriots offense from getting 10, 15 yards and possibly kicking a game-winning field goal. So a first down there was paramount. Looked like they had it. Sets up a second and one. Comes back on a holding call. Had to kind of reshuffle from there. And then they come right back and hit it again on that slant to Devontae Parker, which was the biggest play of the game for my money, to really put that thing on ice and get this offense really kind of going in the right direction on that drive to close this game out and wind up in victory formation. That's where you want to be. Couple more individual notes here. I talked about Miles Gaskin, Savon Ahmed. I just love that one-two punch. And then you factor in Malcolm Brown, some of the work he did in the Wildcat game today, the short yardage stuff he converted on as a running back. But Gaskin's three-down ability and pass protection to catch the football, matchup based. I mean, he had a quick a quick hitter uh, from Tua on the field goal drive matched up on Dante Hightower, which of course you want to get Hightower out there in coverage. And Miles Gaskin was able to do that because he leaked out and you have to go cover that guy. You can't just let him run free. So his ability to create matchups on linebackers and Savon Ahmed, I thought were both apparent today in this game. Ahmed had a nice catch and run where he got hit at the line, picked up six yards after initial contact. Just little stuff like that that you notice with these guys where they tend to make more yards than what's given to them based upon the blocking or what should be given to them based upon what you have in the look. Talked about Devontae Parker, four for 81. Thought the body control was great, that the hands were great in this game. Looking like vintage DVP. I thought Solomon Kinley had a nice game on a couple of the big Miles Gaskin runs, uh, pinning guys and, and sealing off some gaps and getting some push. And he just plays kind of nasty through the whistle. Thought Liam Eikenberg had some good moments in his first NFL start. He had some welcome to the NFL moments as well, but good to see him out there at left tackle in place of Austin Jackson, who of course was 
uh, elevated to questionable on Saturday, and then today removed from the injury report altogether, but he did not wind up playing without any practice reps. Tough to get out there on the field for game day. So Eichenberg starts at left tackle with Kinley at left guard, Michael Dieter at center, Rob Hunt at right guard, and then Jesse Davis at right tackle. I think the offensive line could have had a better day, but all things told, hey, the quarterback was upright for most of the game, and they did a good job of, of getting enough points to win this game. Defensively, I thought Adam Butler had a big day, and he had a he caused a hold just on the get off alone. He shot a gap and forced a guy to reach back there and grab him because if he didn't, he was going to blow it up for a TFL. That ended up costing the Patriots, I think, a chance to get a touchdown on that drive because they were marching and they wind up getting behind the chains and could not convert after that. So Adam Butler, nice work there. Christian Wilkins had some nice work against the run as well as the pass rush, had the obvious sack there. Talked about Emmanuel Ogba against the run too, man. Getting outside of the edge there on some of those run plays. Thought he did a fantastic job in that regard. We talked about Xavier Howard. Probably not going to have any stats on Pro Football Focus on the Tuesday podcast because he was just never really thrown at, but he will have the biggest play of the game there in the forced fumble at the end. Uh, Byron Jones, I thought, had himself a good game as well. You know, he gave up a few catches underneath, but we'll take that. We'll live with that every single day of the week. I just love the way those two guys complement each other's games because Byron Jones can play that sticky man coverage where he just basically says, I'm not going to worry about the ball so much. He will play the ball, but I'm going to make sure this guy doesn't make any catches. And that, in turn, can force targets back to Xavier Howard, who we know what he can do with the ball skills as well. So I thought both those guys played well together and how you envision it when you go out and sign a Byron Jones and you have an Xavier Howard in your back pocket. Eric Rowe, the tight end eraser, we call him all the time. Five catches, 42 yards for Jonu Smith. I think it was three for 30 for Hunter Henry. So to hold those guys to that, like to me, those are the focal points of the offense. And I don't know what Eric Rowe's coverage numbers were. We'll have that for you on Tuesday. But I thought he played really well. Came back from an injury, forced a fumble. Just a really solid player every single time he suits it up for your Miami Dolphins. And then Jason McCourty had a big PBU in the middle of the field on a ball that looked like it was going to be a big completion for the Patriots offense. He would not allow it. A big time completion or incompletion there based on Jason McCourty. And he was just over the top all day today making plays and, and capping things off. Good work from him. Brandon Jones made two plays that I really loved. One on defense where he shot up the field with the instincts and kind of read the snap and and got his keys and got in there and forced the running back on an outside run to bubble back inside to help for a a very, like a one-yard gain, maybe a no game. And then on a kickoff, he shoots in there and gets a stop uh, where the Patriots wind up holding as well. So it's a 10-yard penalty, push him back to the nine-yard line to really give them 14 yards of hidden yardage. Brandon Jones made some good plays in that way. And then Jason Sanders, you make a field goal in a game where you win by one. We have to give you a nod on that. And the distance on that field goal, I'm going to find it for you here in just one second from Jason Sanders. 48 yards. I knew it was deep from deep. 48-yard field goal. This guy continues to connect from distance for this Dolphins team. And again, on a one-point victory, had to have that 48-yard kick, and Jason Sanders stepped up and nailed it. And so plenty of uh, good to talk about here, plenty of corrections to make as well, and we'll have more for you on the Tuesday podcast to go ahead and get a better look at the All-22 and break this thing down and come back with some numbers and some film evaluation for all you guys here on the Drive Time podcast. But some of the guys who I, I don't think, you know, on the initial watch that had their best days, some of those guys were guys that I just have no worries about long-term. So for me, when they get it corrected, man, to get a win like that, I just don't know how you can care 
about anything else. Before we get out of here, let's give you the final stats for the game. The Dolphins have 16 first downs of the Patriots, 24. Just 4 for 11 on third down compared to 11 for 16 from the Patriots. The Patriots outgained Miami by quite a bit, 393 to 259. The passing game, 268 to 185. Rushing 125 to 74. They did run 18 more plays, 70 compared to 52 in the game. The Patriots had the two turnovers. Miami had the one. The Dolphins were sacked twice by the Patriots pass rush. Dolphins got to Mac Jones once. And the penalties, how about this one? Eight for 84 for New England, five for 28 for Miami. And time of possession goes in the Patriots' favor, 36-43 to 23-17. Sounds like a box score that would go towards one team. It did not. It went towards your Miami Dolphins. If you have not listened to the postgame show yet on 560 WQAM and Kiss Country 99.9, we should have that available for you on my timeline. I'll go ahead and tweet that out. A two-hour show with me, Seth, and OJ giving you more Miami Dolphins coverage. But as for my time, that's going to be my time. It is 11.07 p.m. on Sunday night. Caroline, Daddy is coming home. You all, please be sure to subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. Leave us a rating. Leave us a review. You can follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. You can follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Tough enough. Check out the YouTube channel as well. All the post-game press conferences will be up there for you guys to go ahead and digest, take a look at, and get all your Miami Dolphins information as well as needs. And, of course, the Fish Tank Podcast with Seth and OJ and MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time. Fins up. Dolphins in first place. 1-0, baby. Let's go.